been talking, um, you know, I've been preaching out of 1 John, and, you know, one of the things that we've been hearing is what the Spirit is saying to the church. You know, that we're listening, that we're attentive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I want to read um, from uh, Mark. I'm going to uh, talk about this parable of the sower. You know, it's one of those ones that we're very familiar with. You know, we've all heard this before many times. But there's things contained within here that are keys. And uh, so this is in Mark chapter 4, verse 1. It says in Mark chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Again, he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. So Jesus, there was so much people there that he used the environment to his advantage. Um, he went out on the Sea of Galilee, pushed the boat out, and if you've ever been by a lake that's, you know, not so much wind or it's placid, it's an amazing thing that your voice is amplified by the water. It's kind of an amazing phenomenon. I saw that that time we went to Lake Tahoe, and we were up in a, by a mountain lake, and uh, as Mike Shreve, Mountain Mike and I were going to go fish in this little um, lake that was up there, and we're walking up to it, and, and it's like, man, who is that talking? And it just sounded really loud, and it was way, way across the lake, and the sound was traveling across. So the Lord was using that to his advantage to address this crowd. And he says this, in verse 3, the first thing that he says in this translation is listen. And it has an uh, exclamation point, apostrophe, listen. You know, there, we can hear things, but are we listening? We can hear a lot of stuff, but do we listen? There's a big difference between hearing and listening. And so the Lord is telling this crowd that is gathered, he says, listen, behold, Consider, focus your attention upon what he's about to say. Then he taught, he says, A sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seeds fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up and was scorched because they had no root, it withered away. And some of the seed fell amongst the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on the good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up and increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixtyfold, and some a hundredfold. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So that's the, you know, what we were looking at in the book of Revelation. Every one of the seven churches, and you might look at some of those examples, but it says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The first thing that Jesus said when he started this parable was listen. And we all, everybody in here, everybody's got two ears on their head. It's amazing that the Lord gave us two ears and one mouth. So I think he wants us to do twice as much listening that he does talking. And... Um, I remember when I was younger, I used to help my dad do um, his landscaping route. And I was so excited to help my dad work that he would tell me 
go go do this or go get that stuff go, go get this something out of the truck and before he's even done telling me what I'm doing I'm off running didn't get the instruction but I'm ready to go you know we need to listen we need to be uh, listening to what the spirit is saying to the church what is the Lord telling us? You know, we heard some examples of it this morning that people are hearing. And when we hear from the Holy Spirit and do what he tells us to do, miracles happen at that point. That, they, that miraculous things are words of prophecy or words of insight that the Lord would give to us that would bring tears to somebody's eyes. That would, that would unlock things that are bound, you know, have people bound. And it's just, it's just like a key that we can't know that, but the Holy Spirit can tell that to drop it in our heart to do this or say this or be this for somebody at the right moment that could be very meaningful at that moment. Amen. It goes on in verse 10. It says, but, but when he was alone with those around him, and the 12 asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you, it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So that seeing they may, may see and not perceive. And hearing they may hear and not understand. Lest they should turn from their sins and be forgiven them. That's a pretty amazing statement right there. So you're, the Lord is saying that I'm going to teach in parables. That was a prophetic statement that said he was going to speak in parables, things that were hidden from the foundation of the world. And you're like, why would he do that? Because God is looking for a serious seeker. He's looking for somebody serious. I want to know these things. He's looking for a heart. And when you look at this parable, the seed was the same. The seed is the gospel. The seed is the word of God. The seed in itself has the ability to reproduce. The seed in itself has the ability to do miracles. You remember what the Lord said about a seed, a mustard seed. If you have faith like a mustard seed. That you could say to that mountain, be thou removed and cast in the sea. And if you don't doubt in your heart, those things that you, that you speak would be done for you. So the seed itself is good. The seed is good. But what is the difference here? It was the condition of the soils. It was the condition. So the receptivity of the seed depends on the soil of our heart. Whether it's stony, it's hard. You know, whether it's like, uh, it's, it's really hard. It says the first one fell on the wayside. And so the seeds, we're casting seed, you're throwing seed out there. And, and some bounce off and it didn't go into the prepared soil, but went on the wayside. And it says the birds of the air came and just plucked them off right away. Just took them out. The second one hit a stony soil, a little bit of soil on the top, but uh, hard rock underneath. It says they sprang up quickly. But it didn't have a root in itself, and when the heat of the day or the, the, the stress of that environment came on it, it withered and died. The third went amongst the thorns, and it didn't produce anything. But the fourth had a good heart. It was the heart that was prepared to receive the receptivity of the seed. The seed is going to do its thing. And so when we look at this parable, it seems as if our heart, if you look at the, the word here, and ear, the word hear, ear is contained within. Right? Hear and ear is the word is contained within that. So it's very important how we hear. Be careful what you hear. Be careful how you hear. We hear the word, we mix it with faith, and it will produce its results. Amen. He he's gonna explain this in verse thirteen. 
It says, then he said to them, do you not understand this parable? So he's speaking to his disciples. He brought them along privately. And he says, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? So within this parable, there's keys contained within this. There's something that we need to know. The sower sows the word. So the seed is the word. These are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So the devil is like a little, you know, when they talk about a bird, you know, it talks about in a further parable about the, the kingdom. It says that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that grows up and it becomes larger than all the other herbs of the field. And it says the birds come and nest in its branches. From this parable, we get the understanding of the illustration that the birds are not a good thing, that these birds are hanging out in the tree. And here the Satan is, is uh, equated as a bird that comes and he just picks off the seed before it could do anything. It just doesn't produce anything, right? Verse 16, These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time afterwards when tribulation or persecution arises. For the word's sake, immediately they stumble. It's interesting that it says that they have no root in, our, in themselves. We don't have a root in ourselves. In fact, in the book of uh, Romans, it talks about the Jews. It says that, you know, that we as Gentiles and not of the Jews. It says that the, if the root is holy, then the tree itself is holy. And it says we, being Gentiles, were grafted as a wild olive tree, that we were grafted into a cultivated olive tree. And, and so the root, it, it says, don't be haughty about the Jews because they were cast away because we are, had a chance at salvation because of their rejection of the Messiah. And they said, don't, be, don't boast against the root because the root supports the branches. The branches don't support the root. This thing came through the lineage of the Jews. The Messiah came to the Jews. It's a story that starts off in the book of Genesis and it goes on from there that the Messiah was going to come through the Jews. But the root itself, it goes that far back. We have no root in ourselves, but if we're grafted into that tree, we do have root. We're established in a, an established story. Some people like to say, well, Jesus is sort of, or Christianity is, a, is sort of a Johnny-come-lately religion. It was only 2,000 years, and not so. It goes to the very beginning. It has roots with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the root that we're attached to. Amen. Jesus just came. It says at the fullness of time, Jesus came in and manifested himself. And we are partakers. What a blessing that we had ears to hear this message. And it made sense to us. Or the Holy Spirit revealed it. He shined the light on that. And we thought it worthy of our attention. Because God was the one who called us. It says nobody can come to the Father unless he draws us. What a privilege. When you really, when you take the word and you say, okay, this is your word, God. You say what you mean and you mean what you say. It's a fearful thing to think that we could have been one of those seeds on the wayside that heard this and the devil came along, picked it. That was your opportunity and you missed it. Scary. Or we went on the, on the, the not prepared, my heart wasn't prepared for this message it springs up. Oh, I've seen it. I've seen them just, wow, just real joyful, one shot. And then the, the heat of the persecution. Or, are you a Christian? 
You're a Christian that you're not going to party with us anymore? You're not going to hang with us? Or the reproach that comes on there, because there is a reproach with following Christ. Because this message is contrary to the world. It's an exclusive message that says Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. That's not a popular message with a lot of people. With us, it's blessings. Because apart from the righteousness of Christ, I didn't have a chance. I didn't have a chance. It was conceived in our heart by the Holy Spirit that we said, wow, I need that. I need that. I tried in my own efforts and I failed. I need a savior. I need an intercessor. I need an advocate on my behalf. I need somebody who's consistently for me. He's in my corner. He loves me despite my performance. Amen? Amen. That that heart, the soil was prepared. And we might have gone through these portions of our life. I'm not, I, I, I think that I can identify with pretty much every one of these soils. Where my heart was, ah, well, not now. The bird picked it off. Oh, I'm excited for a little bit. Springs up, oh, dies. Definitely fell amongst the thorns. You know, where it goes and it grows up and it's like, all right. And there's competing interests there. The weeds are competing with the soil or the seed of the kingdom of God. And it seems like the weeds are a lot stronger. And the weeds choked it out and it didn't produce anything. And I had my ideas or we had our ideas of making this kingdom here on earth. And I'm going to do this, this, and this. And, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, well, you know what? I got to work on Sunday because I'm, I'm pursuing my dream of my kingdom here on the earth. I don't got time for church right now. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden it pushes that to the side and it becomes unproductive. And we don't put that as a priority of taking God at his word and says, do this. Trust me in this. Take this time for me. And I will bless the rest of the six days of your week. Amen. It is a sacrifice to be here. I know there's, man, the beach looks nice today. You know, sun's out. We got our brothers and sisters from the mainland. I'm, I'm blessed by that. They, they come all this way and spend one of their days, a part of their day here in church fellowshipping with you. God bless you guys for that obedience. I pray you, your vacation be extra blessed that you did that. Amen. All of us. All of you who are here today, because there's other things, man, I, sh I should have been working. I could have did, I got to do this and I got to, but yet we put God as a priority in our life and says, Lord, you said this, I'm going to do it. We're putting feet and hands to our faith and it will produce something in our lives. It'll produce a stability. It'll produce a consistency. It'll, it'll produce a perseverance. That when things are hard, because the Christian life is, is, is a more of a battlefield than it is a vacation, right? He doesn't want us to cling on to this and latch on to it and stay firm to the end. And believe me, we're getting close to the end here. You know, we just did a study in the book of Daniel 9 and we we're showing that, that timeline that Daniel miraculously received. And there's so many tumblers on this clock or, or on this, this, uh, this key, you know, this, this lock that was on the door that all of a sudden this one click, click, click. And we're, we're waiting for that last one to click. But a lot of these things have been fulfilled already. And it's giving us an indicator of what time is it? Because Israel is like the time clock for God's prophetic plans. And we're seeing, we're seeing this, you know, one of the things that we mentioned, it talks about in Daniel 9, that he's going to confirm a covenant or make greater a covenant with many. And in the midst of that seven-year period, that last seven-year period, he's going to break that covenant and he's going to defile the temple that will be rebuilt. 
And it's the abomination that causes desolation. Do you know one of the forefront of the things of Israel right now? We want to build our temple. We've been away from this land for close to 2,000. We want a temple. This was something that was unfulfilled for almost 2,000 years. In our lifetime, they're talking about this. They're talking about a covenant of peace amongst their neighbors so that they can build a temple. So we know the temple will be built because Jesus says, when you see this happening, get out of town, telling the Jews, get out of town, it's the abomination. So we're like, but the temple isn't there right now. But in this day, in our age, they're talking about rebuilding a temple. This is the time where Jesus, when these things start happening, you know that it's near, it's at the doors. It's at the doors. Pay attention. Listen to what the Spirit is saying right now. Listen. Be attentive to what the Spirit is saying right now. Don't let these other things pull us away. The lures of the world and the attention that would pull us away from this and pull us. Let us focus upon what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. Verse 18, now these are the ones sown amongst the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world and the, de the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches. You know, it says that the love of money is the root of all evil. If we attach to that root, it's an evil root. It's a bad root, right? It says the love, not money, but the love of money is the root of all evil. And it says that many people have gone after that, and it says they've pierced themselves through with many sorrows, the Bible says. If we make the attainment of money and wealth our primary concern in this life, there's going to be a lot of sorrow attached with that. Amen? If we make the kingdom of God, this is my focus, there's peace, there's security, there's a secure foundation in that. Because if we look to our job and our money, this is what provides sustenance for me. It's a faulty foundation. You know, you look at everything right now, and, and they're saying they're printing so much money and pumping it into our economy that America's dollar as the world uh, reserve currency, it looks like it's got a short um, history ahead of it. And then we're hearing people say, you got to get out of the dollar. Get into silver and gold. But then I also see in Isaiah, when this thing comes down, they're going to be throwing their silver and golds to the molds and the bats and the caves. And they're going underground. Save us from the wrath of God. And you think to yourself, what is security? Maybe I should invest in Bitcoin. And you hear the stories. My son knew somebody who knew about this cryptocurrencies way back when. And he says, Wesley, get involved with cryptocurrency. Get involved with Bitcoin. And he goes, man, I wish I would have bought some back then. You know, everybody's got a story. But the fact that we bought into the kingdom of God and we pushed all in and says, hallelujah. Because the rest of this stuff is going to burn, man. Amen? That's the best investment you can make. It push it all in. It says, I'm all in to the kingdom of God. The only foundation that cannot be shaken. Yes. Secure foundation. Amen? Yes. Praise God for our ears that we heard this message, that we put faith to this message, that God grabbed our heart and says, you are mine for eternity. Thank you, can you imagine if you were the richest, you were, God forbid, Bill Gates in this world. And his clock is ticking right now. And he's doing all whatever he can do because it's not about money. It's about power and control at this point. But there comes a day 
where his heart stops beating and he has to stand before a holy God and give an accounting of his life. Apart from Jesus Christ, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God apart from Jesus Christ. Just like Isaiah said, Isaiah Reed said, who died in a drug deal, got shot three times in the head or two times in the head and stabbed 16 times. And he says he went to a place that was so black, it was liquid blackness. And he was clinging to his sense of sanity by his fingernails. And he goes, you're more alive in that place than you are right here. You feel everything. You feel every lust of the flesh, every craving for drugs, everything. And he, go, he knew that he was going to stay on in this perpetual condition, unregenerate, apart from Christ. And his advice to anybody who doesn't know Christ, if you don't know Jesus Christ, don't die. If you don't know Jesus, don't die. He was up at our place one time. He was visiting. He was staying with us. And I think you got a flashback. You know, we used to live up in Avalawas, way out in the country, way up in the hills. There's no surrounding street lights. There's no neighbors. And he was staying up with us, and we were doing a Bible study over here, and he was at home in our place, which is like it was 64 acres, a house in the middle of nowhere. And all of a sudden, I get a phone call from my Z. He goes, the power went out. There's no lights in this house. And you could tell he was panicking. I think he was having a flashback to that time where he was going into that inky blackness it kind of freaked him out if you don't know Jesus don't die Jesus Christ is the light of the world he's our salvation he's our security he gives us comfort man I used to be tremendously afraid of the dark before but God gave me peace. God gave me um, security. I, I, I pray that Psalms 91, you know, no evil will befall us as believers. You know, there's a lot of people that are scared. Why is everybody going around with masks right now? Why are business shutting down? Why? Because it's fear-driven. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind that we can discern through the Holy Spirit truth and lies and have confidence in our God. Because what he said is true. There's a lot of lies out there. In fact, that was the other sign that Jesus said, be careful that no one deceive you. He says that there's so much deception. I can't even watch the news anymore. I don't watch it. You'd be wise to turn that stuff off. It's all lies. It's all propaganda. It's an agenda. They're trying to demoralize us. They're trying to just feed us with a bunch of lies. So we finally just give in. I guess, I guess that's the way it is. No, it's not. This is the truth. God's word is the truth. We're winners. We're victorious. We're overcomers. We're part of a kingdom that has no end. That's eternal. That nobody can take that away from us. And we have to retain that. We have to stand firm on that reality that root doesn't come within us it's the root that's attached to the rock from the beginning and we're grafted into that and we're fruitful boughs amen, amen. the cares verse 19 the cares of the world the deceitfulness of riches the desires for other things entering in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful those are the ones sown on the good ground those who hear the word accept it Bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. God wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to bear fruit. He wants us to give glory to the Father by our lifestyle. 
John 15, you know, in the first John, there's a scripture I want to read, but in John 15, the gospel of John, speaking about the true vine, the true connection, the true root, a vine is attached to a root. And he says this in John 15, 1, he says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that he bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch, and is withered, and they are gathered them, and thrown into the fire, and they are burned. Lord, that's serious. You know, we want to make sure that we're abiding in the Lord, that we don't get hacked off and thrown into the pyre. Oh, is there some good kindling over there and just get burned up? God forbid. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. This is one of the evidence of us being uh, attached to the vine, being properly watered, intended, and cared for. And the, one of the things that the Father is looking for is for fruit. He's looking, he's a fruit inspector. And he comes through, you know, there's a scripture, I believe it's in Isaiah, and he's, he's contemplating the pitiful return that he got for his vineyard. He says, man, I, I, I took out the stones. I built a wall around you. I planted you with the choicest vine. And what I got with the harvest time was, was disgusting. He says it was, it, was, it was ridiculous. What more could I have done for you? Help us, Lord, that we take this word seriously and we produce the fruit that God is looking for. It's interesting as we read the word of God that the things he's looking for, what we think it is and what he's looking for, sometimes they're two different things. You know, he's looking for the fruit of our lips, the fruit of our praise of our, our mouths, the, the fruit of um, perseverance and going through tough times and hanging firm. Even if we go on a long time and we don't see, man, there's no, it's like not from miracle to miracle. If we read the story of the Exodus and they're going out there and there was times where, yes, look what God did to the Egyptians. Ten mighty destructions on these people. And then, oh, we cross through the Red Sea. And then they go out a few days and there's no water. And it's like, what? What are we doing out of here? We're going to die. We should have stayed back in Egypt. Right? instead of going from miracle to miracle that we have a little bit of longevity to say you know what I believe you're still doing something even though I don't see you doing anything right now amen that is honoring to God read the book of Job that gives that's fruit right there that's fruit to be able to hang in there when it's tough and say you know what I don't understand what he's doing but I have enough of a track record with God I know it he's got something in mind here that's some maturity. That's fruit right there. That's like you're getting chopped over there. And I just lost my branch, but I know something's going to spring out of this. <laughs> right? <laughs> I know something's going to pop out, and there's going to be some grapes or something on there at the end, or an orange at least, or something. <laughs> Hallelujah. It doesn't sound good to get pruned, but it's healthy. 
you know, I used to take care of plants and stuff. And sometimes you get one, you get a plant and it's got a disease and it's just like, yeah, man, that thing looks funky, man. And you go over there and you get your saw out or your pruning, your, your clippers. And Annabeth's a good example. She had me come over there at her house and she goes, what should I do with these, with these roses? And I said, well, first thing you do is let's prune these things, man. You know, so we get on there with my loppers. And a lot of times you don't want to lop too much, man. It's like, but it took me so long to grow this thing, man. I said, well, it's going to look ugly for a while, but it's going to come back nice. And went in there and just went deep and chopped it and got all the ones that shouldn't be there. And just the ones that are going to spring out the way you want them to grow. You should see all her, her flowers that came out from that. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> the other thing, if you guys got roses... She put up these solar lamps. I told her, you know what you need, man? You need to put those solar lamps over here because the Japanese beetle love to eat the flower, eat the leaves on your roses. And if you have light over there, the, the beetles won't come around. The more, more leaves on a, on a rose, the more flowers you get. Hers got no, no bites on the leaves. It's perfectly nice, man, on her roses. So pruning is beneficial. Fertilizing is beneficial. Went in there and tilled it up and put some chicken manure in there. The Lord is tending us. And even the very things in our life that suck or they stink, that God will cultivate that into their soil and make us fruitful through that. The hard experiences, the bad experiences. Nobody wants chicken manure in their life, but it'll bring forth flowers or vegetables. Amen. Fruitfulness. God's looking for fruitfulness. You know, last week we had a celebration in here because of fruitfulness. You know, we, we've been seeing a lot of prayers being answered in this church. Hallelujah. This is a church of faith, man. And that's what God, we overcome by our faith is what John says. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. He, who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God that we have faith in the son of God we have faith in Jesus Christ we're already overcome we're Nike or Nakeo we're a more than a conqueror in this life because of our faith in Jesus Christ not only that there's things that accompany this faith um, this is in first John uh, five fourteen. it says now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us that's awesome that he's writing that down. He's telling us, if you ask anything that's in accordance with his will, he hears us. And verse 15, and we know that he hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. Hallelujah. What a promise. And that's in John, that portion was in 15. If you read it, there's several places in there that he's saying, you haven't asked me anything. Ask that I might do these things so that your joy may be full. Isn't it a joyous thing when we pray for something and it happens? And we all rejoice and say, hallelujah. The fact that we heard the testimony about these houses that were provided for. The fact that we heard about Pam, that they were saying, man, it looks terminal. That cancer looks terminal. We heard the testimony. Oh, no, it's just something in her lungs. It's not really cancerous, but it's a tumor. And, and it's operable. And she's going to be 100% fine, I believe because we have faith and we call forth those things that are not as though they are we don't deny that there's problems but we speak to the promises in the name of Jesus and we see things happen 
and we rejoice because this is fruit and we can all, we're all partaking of this fruit. Oh man, this is great. Look what God is doing. And I believe that we're going to see increasing and increasing and increasing of that. He says in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Where evil abounds, grace much more abounds. Isaiah says that I see a time of gross darkness, but the light of the Lord's coming upon you, the church. And the darker it gets, the shinier we get. And the Lord is looking, I mean, the world is looking for answers. The world is out of answers. The world is on life support right now. And we're like, man, we're just getting started, man. We can see the dawn of a eternity just out there. And the world is like, oh, we're trying to cling on to what we got. You can't even go to the movies anymore. Nor would you want to go to the movies anymore. <laughs> they got card cardboard cutouts on the baseball games and the football games. I was like, what kind of nonsense is this that we're living in nowadays? It's like we came into an insane asylum. Right? It's just like, what? What's, come on, man. This is it? This is, this is it right now? Thank God we have eternity to look forward to. If you're a believer in Christ Jesus, this is as bad as it gets right now. Right? This is it. This is as bad as it gets. But if you're in the world and you're invested in the world, this is as good as it gets. That's sad, man. That's really sad. And I look at this whole facade is just crumbling, man. It's just falling apart right now. We're on the winning team because the Lord got our attention. Because that seed got into the right heart. The right soil was conceived at the right time. And we said, man, I'm all in. And we're producing fruit that gives God glory. That we encourage one another. Hallelujah. Is that good news? the best news the gospel news hallelujah let's pray